With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello and welcome to episode 128 of the Golf Unfiltered podcast. I'm your host, as always, Adam from GolfUnfiltered.com. You can follow me on Twitter at GolfUnfiltered. And you can send me an email, golfunfiltered at gmail.com. We also have a Facebook fan page and an Instagram page, so go and check those out as well. So folks, it's just myself tonight on this episode. Going to recap a few things over the last couple of weeks. One, definitely pro-golf related as we wrap up the President's Cup, which is something that I didn't think I'd be talking too much about because, I'll be honest with you, I didn't watch too much of the President's Cup this year. I'll get into why that is, but we definitely want to touch on that just a little bit because one of the most uh, interesting elements of this year's President's Cup was the fact that the sitting president, for the first time ever, awarded the trophy to the winning team. And that, of course, is President Donald Trump, who was the honorary chairman of this year's event. So uh, we're also going to talk a little bit about uh, some more custom club fitting information. Uh, I've not gone for another custom club fitting. I know you guys are probably sick of hearing me talk about that, but I did just want to cover a few things that I do think is interesting, and I hope that you will too, because based on the feedback that you've been sending in both via Twitter and email, you guys love the club fitting chatter. So we're going to do that a little bit more as well. But before uh, we get into that, just a quick recap of the President's Cup. Guess what? The Americans won. Shocking, I know. And in fact, this is the seventh straight event, or seventh straight President's Cup, that the American team has won. And they did so in impressive fashion this week, final score being 19-11. to In other words, not even close. And it wasn't even that close. Singles matches, the international team was able to narrow the gap, I guess you can say, a little bit against the Americans. And if you sense a little bit of sarcasm in my voice, it's because, well, quite frankly, I think the President's Cup is the most ridiculous event that uh, exists in pro golf today. I was talking to my wife a little bit earlier in the car. I think I actually referred to it as a circle jerk (laughs) for the Americans. It's just absolutely non-competitive, especially this year with the juggernaut American team uh, that, quite frankly, that's that's the term that Nick Price, the international team captain, said, uh, juggernaut, when describing this year's American team. And that's basically what it was. The international squad with the likes of Jason Day, Adam Scott, many others who we all love to watch during the week on pro events, uh, they just couldn't put enough together to even come close to sniffing the President's Cup victory this year, and everybody knew that going in. There were absolutely no surprises, which makes this event pretty much a joke, in my opinion. You know, it, we all get very excited for these these uh, international team events. We, we get extremely excited for the Ryder Cup, which I still believe is one of the best sporting events that you can watch. 
uh, both in person and just sitting on your couch watching on TV, which is a stark contrast, a complete 180 from the President's Cup, which, as I mentioned earlier, I believe is probably one of the worst sporting events to watch because it is so one-sided, and it has been for quite some time. I don't quite understand the draw or the desire for the international team to continue playing this, and I know that I'm sounding pretty pompous, being very biased as an American golf fan. But did anyone does anyone really enjoy watching this? I mean, let's be honest. Unless you really enjoy watching domination from, you know, good old U.S. of A., I, I just don't find this event very appealing or... Uh, just interesting at all to watch, and quite frankly, I'd much rather watch the NFL, uh, which the President's Cup is always up against in terms of what's on television. I'd very much rather be on the golf course, feeling a little under the weather this weekend, so I wasn't able to do that as much as I would like. But I would have. Instead, I did laundry and I read a book, and of course watched the NFL. All the while, some of the greatest players in the world were on a very interesting golf course at Liberty National, and I didn't care. Now, believe me, I'm not as naive to think that people are going to change television schedules and uh, the uh, PGA Tour uh, schedule or anything of that nature based on my preferences. But I'd like to think I'm pretty much in tune with, with what people like to see and watch, and there may be some of you listening to this now who say, No, Adam, you're nuts. I really like to watch the President's Cup. I like to see that dominating force every single event. But what good does it do? Think of it from the international player side. Yes, they get to go out there, and yes, they get to play for their nation, I guess. It's not just one country, so it's kind of weird, and it's still the same way with the Ryder Cup as well. But do they play for the off chance that they're actually going to win? Wow, that came across really pompous, didn't it? But I think it's actually very realistic as well. I mean, look at the record. The Americans dominate this event, and it's just more of a, a hit and giggle almost. It's a, hey, let's go out there and have a good time and think of some ridiculous celebrations. I mean, did you guys see the Phil Mickelson and Kevin Kisner Three Amigos celebration? Yeah, it's funny. But if you were uh, their opponents in that, I'm going to tell you this. If that happened at our Saturday game, that <laughs> wouldn't fly very far. I mean, what are we doing now? I mean, Phil and, and Kiz had their their fist bump explosions there. I mean, these guys are trying to be cool. It comes across as very contrived and, and I don't know, just fake. And then to cap it all off, towards the end of the event, actually the to punctuate the event, we had our uh, commander-in-chief drop by for 45 minutes or so, if I uh, understand uh, what I was reading on Twitter correctly. And uh, Donald Trump awards the the President's Cup trophy, to Captain Steve Stricker, who, to his credit, Stricker did a great job. I mean, I don't know how much he actually had to do. It's kind of like being the head coach of the Cleveland Cavaliers, Tyron Lue. You just kind of show up, you make some substitutions here and there, you keep your mouth shut, and you let your stars do the work, which is exactly what the American squad did. And we also got to see a little bit of uh, assistant captain Tiger Woods floating around, looking buffer than ever with less hair than ever before, looking pretty old, too. He's, it looks old and tired. I don't know if anyone else, you know, thought that, but he, he just doesn't look great. Um, but he apparently, uh, the guys love him. There were many uh, Tiger Woods, Tiger Woods 
chants that broke out among the people in the stands on television for the little bit that I did catch. People love to see Tiger, regardless of what they say on podcasts or on Twitter or in my email inbox. <laughs> but it was it's, it's just an, an odd event all around. Odd event all around. And as I mentioned, for the first time ever, the sitting president of the United States was able to be not only the honorary member, uh, honorary host, I guess you would say, but also was able to present the trophy to the winning team. And it comes during a uh, political climate and a time in our society that uh, is interesting to say the least. And folks, you guys know that I hate talking about politics for the most part. I mean, every so often I'll go on Twitter, and it is still a personal Twitter account. I know it's at Golf Unfiltered, and I know that for various reasons I took my name off of the Twitter account because, again, again, guys, I have a day job, you know. Uh, it's still a personal Twitter account, and I still let some of my opinions fly on there, and some of them are political in nature. And, yes, I've had some pretty good discussions, uh, believe it or not, over social media. I would classify myself as being more liberal than most, especially in the golf genre. I do have some conservative views that I'm sure all of you uh, I would bore immensely with if I were to share them. But I think when we are in the situation and political climate that we are in right now, it almost feels weird to not at least comment on the protests that have been occurring uh throughout most of the sporting world. And so I know what some of you are saying right now. I can almost feel your eyes rolling in the back of your head saying, oh God, this is going to be another guy that's going to talk about this. And I just don't want to. I came to listen to this to escape from it. I understand that, believe me. I can't turn on the news anymore without... I can't turn on anything anymore. I can't even turn on Sports Center now without seeing or hearing something about what our, our president has done or potentially could do or or what somebody said in response to something that was done and yada 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 it's it's very disheartening but because of that fact i will make this brief and i will say that some of the interviews that you should all go and check out a little quick shout out to alan shipnuck who spoke to both uh, paul goidos and peter malnati recently about uh, their viewpoints on uh, the current administration, the protests that have been occurring. They're very well done. Uh, both men uh, spoke very intelligently. Um, they shared some great insight as to, you know, not only how they think, uh, being, well, I would say Malnati's probably more uh, liberal than, than Goidos, of course, but they both took some very interesting uh, viewpoints and made them more clear to people who were wondering what golfers might be thinking. Professional golfers, that is. And I know that I've been waiting for somebody to come out. You know, not necessarily that I want to hear it, but because I just assumed some some professional golfer would, would come out and say something about the protests that our nation as a whole uh, has been subjected to and has, in many instances, participated in over the last few weeks. My take on the whole situation is this, and I say this with all transparency, and out of risk that I may lose a few of you as listeners, and I accept that. But totally support any form of peaceful protest. Anything that we've seen up to this point, whether it be taking a knee, whether it be 
uh, just some, uh, you know, less than inflammatory things being said and just common courtesy and, and respected opinions being shared by some very intelligent athletes. That's the route I prefer everyone to go. Um, I'm not a huge fan of going on social media and uh, especially if you're a world-class athlete and spewing hate. I, I don't I don't see what that solves. I don't see what that helps. I understand that people are extremely frustrated and and terrified in some instances. And when we talk about all of our friends in Puerto Rico, devastated by just not only a natural disaster, but a lack of follow-up, which is just disgusting. I understand that there's a lot of emotion that goes behind some of the comments that people can put out into the world and hoping that somebody will listen to them and hoping that the right people will read it or hear it and take action to help them. And those right people have been doing that in a lot of ways. In speaking with natural about natural disasters, we all look to what J.J. Watt did with raising millions of dollars through the power of social media and a, and a camera. That's where protest and speaking out and support can be beneficial and positive and promote positive change. When we get to a point, though, where name-calling and, and racial expletives and, and whatever other hatred begins to come forth and, and is used through different types of media, then that's just a, a snowball for disaster. And so, while I do support protesting in a, in a uh, controlled and, and respectful manner, I also support common decency, and I support looking at both sides of any issue. That being said, and the final point I'll make about the political climate as we know it right now, there is a situation that we're all living under with the current administration that is abhorrent. And it's not about political views per se. It's not about policy, even though it is. It's more about the person. And I made a promise to myself a long time ago when I uh, decided to uh, to do a podcast, to have my voice heard and, and to talk about some things. I, w- I would never go the route of saying anything to incite, um, I don't know, to incite any sort of uh, hate speech or anything of that nature, but I know there are many people who who like this president. I know there are many people who support his views, and whether they do it overtly or behind closed doors at their dinner table when no one else is listening, the man is a nuisance. The man is disgusting in many ways. And to the point of a political party, I've got many family members, as I'm sure all of you do as well, who fall on both sides of that aisle. When I look at them in their face, after whatever has come up most recently, and I know there's probably going to be three other things that come up this week, and I'm recording this on a Sunday for crying out loud. When I look at their face, I look them in the eyes, and they look back at me with just utter shock and disappointment in what they're seeing because they feel they contributed to something awful I don't know what to say to them now going off on a little bit of a tangent here I apologize for that 
but it would be irresponsible of me to at least not address the elephant in the room and stating that most professional golfers, most golfers of a certain level, a certain economic, uh, socioeconomic status, probably fall within one side or, or one side of that aisle. And that's why we're not hearing too much or anything really other than the two golfers that I mentioned earlier. And in one of the interviews, I believe it was uh, actually both men, both Paul uh, Goidos and Peter Malnati, uh, both mentioned when asked by Alan Shipnuck, uh, just a common, uh, a common sense question, a follow-up question that Alan did very well with asking. You know, who are some people that think the way that you do? And I'm paraphrasing, of course. Neither of them wanted to, quote-unquote, call them out. Does anyone else find that absolutely ridiculous? Not ridiculous that they wouldn't do it, but just ridiculous that they're probably right. That if they were to start naming names of people who thought in a different way than the current administration wants you to think, it would be akin to, to like uncovering some nasty secret about them. This is not a matter of political party anymore. This is a matter of doing what's right for your common man. I don't care what political party you affiliate with. I really don't care what most people's political views are. And I know that's hypocritical of me to say because I'm doing it right now. But we're talking about common decency towards one another. And so if you have the opportunity to do something great for somebody or at least somewhat okay for somebody else, whether it's donating to a cause or whether it's just helping somebody up off the street or simply just saying hello to somebody who you might disagree with previously. I know that sounds cliche as hell, but it's important to do it. It's important to do it, especially now, because we have so many people in front of us so many poor examples of doing the exact opposite. Rise above that. Okay. Thank you for indulging me on that. I will leave that alone. We will not make that a habit of going into political speech, but I figured being the first podcast since everything that occurred, we w I figured I would touch on it. What I did want to get to finally today in our discussion, and thanks again for downloading episode 128, is a little, uh, little bit of, um, I got some questions from you all. I got some questions via email, I got some questions via Twitter about my custom fitting experiences. My last uh, podcast with uh, JB from THP Media, we talked a little bit more about custom fitting and, and the pros and cons of getting it done, as well as the availability to getting a custom fit, uh, which is not very, very available, I've come to learn. And um, I have to say that that's uh, probably one of the biggest things in golf that I would improve if I had the power to do it is just get more people access to being custom fit. It's an extremely important educational opportunity for anyone to do that. Uh, but I also got some questions regarding, hey, you know, I, I am going to go get custom fit. What are some of the things that I need to keep in mind before walking into the door? You know, what are some of the, you know, either it's a mindset or what should I ask the, the, uh, the club fitter that I want to do? You know, how does the conversation go? Those types of questions, which are all very good questions. And thank you for sending them in. So I jotted a few things down here. Now, this, this is just based on my experience, of course. I've been custom fit uh, three times, 
I've had some, uh, I've had two out of the three were really, really damn good. The third, still good, but a little bit confusing now that I think back on everything. But without fail, uh, one of the consistent things that I heard among the three custom uh, club fitters uh, was, where is your miss? Where is your miss? And so, uh, one of the first piece of advice I would give is before you go into your custom club fitting, understand and really be prepared to talk about where your miss is, where your bad shots go most often. Now, believe me, I know that there are some of us who have the two-way miss. Hell, I get it every so often, and sometimes you walk up on the tee box and you have no idea where that golf ball is going to go. So how are you expected to, uh, to just recite to a, uh, to a complete stranger that you're meeting for the first time and you're probably paying a good amount of money to? How are you supposed to recite where your miss is going to go? Well, just just kind of pay attention for your next at your next practice session. Pay attention at your next golf round. You know, most of you probably know where you miss the ball. If you're a right-handed player, chances are you probably slice the ball. I mean, that's the most common swing fault or at least shot shape among people who need a little bit of assistance. And once you understand where your miss is, at least for me, I was asked if you're if I was willing to adjust and get custom fit to negate that miss. Now, what that means for me, I have a tendency, especially off the tee with my driver, to hook the ball. I'm a right-handed player, so I would hook the ball to the left. My new driver that I got custom fit for recently is a little bit of a stiffer shaft. It's actually an extra stiff shaft, which is something I never thought I would swing in my life, which is another benefit to getting custom fit. I would have never went and bought an, an extra stiff shaft. I just I don't feel like I swing the club hard enough. But while I might not fall within the silo or bucket of the swing miles per hour that I need to swing in order to swing that type of shaft, what it did, as many of you are probably thinking, it eliminated the left side of the golf course off the tee for me. So now I'm hitting some little push fades, and maybe my big miss now is just a straight-out push to the right. But I've eliminated the left side of the golf course, and that's huge for me. Am I giving up a little distance because I'm hitting a fade now rather than a draw? Sure. Absolutely. But I still put 20 yards on my drives based on the other variables that go into that golf club that I now use. And so the whole point being, at least with this first point of being willing to adjust to your miss, you got to be transparent up front. You got to be able to have that conversation with the custom club fitter, and you have to kind of let the ego go by the wayside. Your job as somebody who's getting custom fit is not to go into that studio and act like you're a professional, like a touring pro. Oh, I, you know, every so often I might miss it to the right a little bit. No, go in there and tell them your common flaw, and they'll help you. They help me. Another thing, another point that I feel you you need to at least consider before you walk into the studio, especially if you're getting fit uh, for, for a driver, but it could also be said for irons, is what are you willing to sacrifice in order to be more consistent? And I word it that way because it could differ from one golfer to the next. For me, was I willing to sacrifice a little bit of distance on my irons, for example, in order to hit them more consistently in terms of shot dispersion? And I'm not talking left and right, I'm talking, you know, long and short. Sure, I might hit a certain set of irons 
five, six, seven yards further than what I'm playing right now. But I know how far my clubs are going now. Sure, I might mishit them, and they're probably going to fall short or maybe a little to the left or the right, but more often than not, when I hit them well, I know exactly almost to the yard of how far they're going to fly, and I wouldn't know that unless I got them custom fit to my swing characteristics. And so I increased my consistency, I increased my control while sacrificing a little bit of distance. Big deal. So I hit a 7-iron instead of an 8-iron. Not a big deal. It really isn't. So you have to be honest with yourself in that regard, too. Do you, you can't expect, and you shouldn't expect, right? You shouldn't expect to hit shots the same way as, uh, as you did before you walked into the studio, right? I mean, why would you go and get custom fit then? Is it just because you say you want to say that you have a custom fit set of clubs? No. You want to actually see different results. And so that's a second point that you want to at least consider before you go in. And the third is shaft flex. And I touched on this a little bit in my first point. But, you know, I don't know about you guys, but for me, growing up and learning, you know, about this difference in shaft flex, you know, first of all, learning that there was a difference in shaft flex, you know, regular flex, stiff flex, extra, you know, all that. There goes a little bit of more ego with that too, right? Oh, well, I swing, I swing this driver so fast that, you know, I I need a stiff shaft or I need a, you know, extra stiff and I need a, a stiff tip or whatever else, you know, there's so much information about golf equipment on the internet these days that you can go in and you can just find as many specifications as you want. You can go in and you can, re- you know, request the most ridiculous tricked out golf shaft in the world. But if it doesn't do you any good and you don't swing, uh, you know, your swing characteristics aren't what they need to be in order for you to use this shaft, then what the hell good is it going to do for you? And so one of the most eye-opening things, and I've talked about this in the past, one of the eye-opening things that I learned through my custom uh, fitting was just the differences in one regular shaft brand, uh, the brand of one regular shaft to another in terms of shaft frequency, uh, kick points, uh, launch angle, all these different things. You have to kind of forget everything you thought you knew about shaft flex before you go into a fit. So walking into the door, just to recap those three things, understanding where you miss and being honest with yourself and your fitter, where your miss is. He, He or she is there to help you. Number two, what are you willing to give up or compromise in order to gain somewhere else, whether it be distance or control? And three, throw out everything you thought you knew about club specifications, because if you've got a good custom fitter, someone who really takes pride in their work, they're going to teach you more than you could ever find on the internet. I know that was my experience, and it's certainly something that I wouldn't trade for anything in the world. They've taught me more, uh, the three combined, they taught me more than I could ever recite back, (laughs) even though many of them, you know, got me into the into the uh, the habit of actually telling them what my shots were doing after they gave me a quick little, you know, uh, educational lesson on what the numbers are doing. I hope they do the same for you. But you have to forget everything you knew. 
because you're gonna learn so much more and it's just gonna help your game it's gonna help your game immensely it's gonna be that's where the key is that's what you're paying for yes you're gonna be able to get that specification sheet that report with all the the, the cool bells and whistles that you're gonna be able to apply to a new golf club great that's that's awesome but I'll make the argument that what you're really paying for is a better understanding of your golf game and how equipment and technology of today can actually help you in many different ways. So we're going to leave it there, folks. Uh, we're about at the 28-minute mark. I appreciate all of you checking in once again. Episode 128, you know, that's just a silly number in my mind. I never thought we'd get to that point. And I know I say that a lot, but I really do believe it and I really do mean it. If you like what we do here, if you like what I do here, even though when I go off in my little tangents every so often, please go out to iTunes and leave a five-star rating. Thank you to all of you who have done so most recently. I appreciate everything that you've said. You've left some really kind comments. Um, if you've got anything that you'd like me to change about the show or anything you think I can improve on, please leave those comments as well. I do take those seriously, and I'm always in... Uh, in the mindset of wanting to improve. And so if you would prefer to send me an email instead of leaving a review, go ahead and send me an email, golfunfiltered at gmail.com. Again, you can find me on Twitter at golfunfiltered. I'll be back a little bit later, probably this week, but on our next show, I hope to uh, talk a little bit more with an actual custom club fitter, one of the gentlemen who had to put up with me for about an hour. And uh, we can have continue this discussion, which I think is ever so important for the uh, amateur golfer as well as you know those of you who might be a little bit better than that so as always thanks for downloading i hope you enjoyed today's episode and until next time this is adam signing off 